So, there's a scene that I want you guys to picture. You stood there, you're in your gown, your mortarboard, you've got your degree in your hand, and you're surrounded by your friends and family. This is graduation day. But there's one thing in the back of your mind. What next? Do you know what you want to do with the rest of your life? It's a scary thought, but my name's Oscar Luxon, and I'm here to try and help you with that. This is going to be your guide to your career, and welcome to my future. Right, so hello and welcome everyone back to my future for episode five. Now this week I'm going to be talking to Keith, who's a well-being at work officer at Cardiff University and he has some fantastic tips for keeping yourself sane at work um, and about how to improve how much you can get out of work. So here I go, here's my interview with him. Fantastic, okay well I'm joined today by Keith, thanks so much for being on the podcast, I really appreciate it. That's okay, I'm uh, more than happy to be here, yeah it's good. Excellent. So um, I was just wondering to kick off with the basics, really. So um, what is your role here at the university? Sort of what do you do? So I'm part of quite a small team on the staff side. So I'm a, my job title is Staff Wellbeing Officer. And there are two of us. So I'm just going to give a quick shout out to my colleague, Sarah Gregory, who does kind of exactly what I'm, I'm doing. Um, and between the two of us, we're part of a, a team that's situated in... Uh, safety and staff well-being so part of human resources and effectively what we do is we I suppose try to support the well-being of the organization so the organization itself and then all of the the staff members so we do a lot of training and development stuff so we'll you know we, we, we deliver workshops and training and different types of presentations and so on across the university to all the different populations and then we also take a kind of preventative strategic um approach so we do a lot of kind of stuff so for example we were involved in the creation of the staff well-being strategy that's currently live um and then yeah we try and support the different areas of the university in terms of well-being and one of the things that really is important to say is that it's not the case that even though we're the central staff well-being team it's not the case that we own well-being across the university you know it's about supporting each area to take ownership of that well-being themselves because that's going to give the best kind of results it's the sustainable kind of approach um, so it's really kind of we're there to support people to, to to do well-being i suppose i guess like you say it's having good well-being at work is a very it there's a lot of different aspects i imagine that come into it and and so like you say i suppose every single sort of day-to-day -day part of your working life will contribute to whether you're having a good work experience or not in it really so now go ahead yeah, yeah. no i was just gonna say it is a very fluid mm. thing you know I, I think it's worth mentioning that whether we're talking about mental health resilience well-being these are very fluid things so they do change moment to moment sometimes how did you get into it then like what made you want to get into this as a career like i think for a long time i've always been so um i've always kind of had an idea that you know just casually this was something i was interested in and then over a long period of time, um, I got involved at university level, working with students, uh, international students, students with disabilities. So it started to move more and more towards a kind of support, mental health, well-being kind of uh, type of role that I had. And that just really kind of gained momentum over a long period of time. So, um, And then well-being, as you're probably aware, Oscar, which is probably why you're 
doing the podcast today, well-being has gained traction um, in, in the last kind of, you know, five, ten years maybe, where we're becoming more aware of the importance of uh, just being well. Yeah, it's so true, because I suppose, especially in an institution like a university, like this one, will want their staff to have good well-being. So at the end of the day, if staff have good well-being, I suppose they're going to be productive and are more likely to be doing their jobs well, I suppose, isn't it really? like So fantastic. Quite a rewarding thing to do, I imagine. Uh, yeah, yes, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, you do, you do get to have that sort of genuine and what we might call a cheesy feel good factor to it. You know, it is nice to be able to support people to, uh, to ultimately to kind of thrive in the environment that they're in. No, that's excellent. Yeah. Very, a very noble profession really. I suppose I could say. Well, like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we, we try. <laughs> um, so do you have any, um, what would you say is like the do's and don'ts for a good level of workplace well-being? Yes, yeah, so I don't think this is, I think you probably alluded to that a few moments ago, but I don't think well-being is, um, it's not a, a black and white thing. It's not, you know, it's different for, for everybody in a sense. And I think when it comes to workplace well-being, the, the key thing is really about, so there's, for example, if I just to mention the staff well-being strategy again, but there are five pillars in that strategy and, and those pillars are intended as a, a kind of means to good workplace well-being. And so there's an element in the workplace of, for example, we've got a leadership pillar. So the organization has a role in supporting its employees. But then one of the other pillars is uh, the individual. So, you know, recognizing that we, each of us, has a responsibility. So first and foremost, we're responsible for our well-being. Um, and then the two other pillars, so one of them is data, but there's two other pillars about prevention and early intervention. And I think... I think that would lead me back ultimately to the real building block of well-being, which is self-care. And I think the intentional practice of the types of thinking um, kind of building of positive emotions and the kind of actions and behaviours that promote good well-being. Um, I think that kind of, as I said, day-to-day -day engagement on purpose or so with intention, I'm going to look after myself. I'm going to take care of myself. Um, I think that's the most important element. So that's in the workplace. It is also true outside of the workplace. Um, so actually practicing self-care for me would be the, the, the basic building block of, of good well-being. So I suppose like it's from that, it's just as important, basically, like you say, how you keep your mental health and your day-to-day -day routine when you're not at work to ensure that when you are at work that you're happy as well, basically, like... Yeah, it's it's trying to build a kind of a level of a kind of buffer, really, so that because you're going to have tough moments, you know, there's going to be difficult things and um, you're going to experience stress. You know, there, there might be some trauma, whatever. We're all going to experience that. That is life in a sense. And so what we don't want is, is that we, we're kind of ignoring if we ignore the self-care part, what happens is we hit a difficult moment and that moment is more difficult because because actually we're not in a very good place anyway. Whereas if we're relatively speaking, experiencing good well-being, and then something difficult happens, we're in a better place already to respond to it and to adapt well to whatever it is that's happening, you know? Yeah, I suppose it's, it's about being sort of stable in yourself, isn't it? So like you say, when you then face those challenges, then they're not nearly as tricky as they as they would be anyway. Like Yeah, absolutely. Mm, it's just, mm. yeah. We, psychologists call them kind of... Um, I suppose preventative 
strategies or, 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 or actions. So, you know, what is it that you're doing to to kind of take care of yourself and to keep yourself in a good place? That That's really it in a sense. And the challenge is that you wake up every day. It's very easy to fall into the kind of routine of just being on autopilot, ignoring some of the good stuff. Um, but actually, the more we can do, just taking small steps around, you know, the classic things that you hear about even, um, you know, being active, uh, moving, nutrition, sleep and rest, having fun, you know, all those things. It's quite easy sometimes to, you know, you have a difficult moment and you just, you just stop doing that or you haven't been doing that. And then again, you're not going to be in a, a, a great place perhaps. And then something difficult happens. So it's, it's kind of extra hard. I suppose it's like, um, I don't know if it's a, it's a cliche term, um, to correct me if it is, but I guess like the idea of the work-life balance and all that kind of stuff, isn't it really? Um, because like you say, I suppose you've got to, if, if, if you're making sure you're still having times where you're having fun as well, like you, you mentioned just there, then you're going to be more inclined to then do a, a, a good day's work the day after, if you know you've had a good time before, something to look forward to. And it? I suppose it's all motivation and stuff like that, really. Yeah, and it's it's working. It's it's identifying what what works for you, you know. So I like I've got my stuff. So things I might do, uh, insights that might be useful to me in terms of how I manage my life and stay well, but they might not be applicable to the person next to me. So it is really kind of trying to find actually what am I motivated by, and what kind of things do I like? Actually, what's my, in a sense, um, well-being strategy? You know, my personal well-being strategy, and um, what what's my stress management strategy you know actually how do i do it and people it's okay to do it differently as long as it's it's working for you and also what i would always say to people is make sure that whatever you're doing um it's sustainable so again that goes back to that idea of you know prevention and early intervention so if you're noticing something's kind of not quite okay or maybe you're struggling a little bit well it'd be really helps to respond sooner rather than later so that you know, something doesn't build up into something that's just much more difficult to react to then, you know. Um, so it is the consistency about, you know, just taking action um, around self-care, just keeping ourselves resilient, um, you know, and uh, and not trying to be perfect either, you know, actually having some compassion for ourselves as well. It's it's tough out there sometimes, you know, it's not easy to, to live, you know, we all have difficult days and difficult moments. So actually just recognizing that, saying, hey, listen, you know, I'm trying my best and, uh you know, not beating yourself up when you're having a hard moment. I think that is true, though, isn't it? Especially when it comes to workplaces, it's quite easy to fall into the trap of, like, thinking that you always need to be, because you're at work, like, always on your A-game and always being like, absolutely fantastic. But like you say, it is okay to admit that we are just human at the end of the day, aren't we? And that we do all have rough times. Absolutely, were, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and you'll have times where you might just it might just be about survival, you know? So just there might be really hard moments where you think, if this is not about being my best self or being excellent, it's about, you know, maybe maybe good enough. Um, you know, in that moment, what does good enough look like, you know? It, it's always about making it sustainable. Um, I, in one of the training sessions that I run, I actually show a kind of bell curve where top of the curve is um, um, top of the hill and it's it's about your kind of peak performance, but peak performance isn't sustainable. You know, you have to have periods of downtime, rest, recovery, you know, where you can kind of take a breather, you know. Also, you need to plan for, you know, what if, so if I'm flat out now and something else comes on top of everything I'm currently doing, you know, you're, you're already going to be spinning too many plates. So, so again, just thinking about how can I make sure I'm okay long term, 
um, and making whatever you're doing sustainable. Mm, no, that makes a lot of sense, especially what you say um, about peak performance, because I suppose it's like, as in the clues in the name, I suppose, isn't it? That it is peak performance. And so you can't expect yourself to always be working at that, isn't it? Like, yeah, um, because yeah. it is an exception rather than the norm. It's, and, it, and it's okay, you know, we, you know, we can all, it's a nice feeling if you've ever entered into that kind of flow state, um, you know, where time is whizzing by and you're doing good stuff, and, you know, you're producing good work, but it's just not sustainable all the time. And, and listen, we're in a university setting, so, you know, it can be competitive and you can kind of have you know a certain amount of perfectionism and um, playing out with, with members of staff for example and students too and that can get in the way of you know there's nothing necessarily wrong with some perfectionism but there is an unhealthy extreme and that can get in the way of being well so again you just noticing what's going on and making sure that whatever we're doing is uh yeah is likely to keep us in a good place long term no that's fantastic that is so i was wondering as well you were saying that um Sort of um, the idea of like the role that you're doing now was relatively new um, at the start. Is this is this something so like in so you know in in companies and stuff like that? Are um, so I've never worked in a large company or anything like that myself. Um, are well-being yeah. officers a thing in industry? Do you know? So what I would say is that I think Cardiff University is doing really well um, with staff well-being. So, you know, it's quite considerable effort on the student side, and, and that's more typical of big organisations across the UK, like certainly with academic institutions. But uh, I think Cardiff is doing really well. I mean, we rank very highly when it comes to well-being, um, when compared to, you know, if you look at some of the, the, the league tables that we kind of look at, um, you know, there's, there's certain criteria that we try and map to, some of the United Nations criteria, you know, um, the Wellbeing of Future Generations Act is something that we're kind of looking to do more with. Um, and even more recently, Cardiff University has achieved, uh, the f we've actually just become the first um, university to achieve a new international standard, ISO 45003, which is about managing psychosocial risk in workplaces. So I think Cardiff is doing really well with staff wellbeing. Um, as I said, we've got a staff wellbeing strategy and uh, it, I think with organizations, it's trying to sh make a change in culture. I think that's the big thing, you know, so all the things that you might do in, in within a strategy, it's about bringing well-being into a, a, a place where, you know, people buy into it and, and there's good reason to buy into it, you know. Um, I, I think it has gained traction in the last few years, and I think you will see more of that in the coming years. So I think you'll see more and more organizations really kind of taking note of well-being and doing something about it. That's good, that is, isn't it? I think it's um, probably, it, it runs parallel, I suppose, to the sort of industry and sectors taking mental health in general a lot more seriously nowadays, I suppose, as well, doesn't it? Yeah, so yeah. I think these things go hand in hand, don't they, really? Like you mentioned, yeah, yeah. you used to work with mental health and stuff like that as well, didn't you? Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, I mean, what businesses will do is that they'll look at the figures that come out annually, you know, typically worldwide, it's like a, the cost of well-being poor well-being is something like 45 billion pounds you know so it's 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 a huge kind of it's not like an industry but it's a huge thing and there's nothing wrong with saying to people um because you know for example there's a positive correlation if you're in employment and that employment is good well actually there's a positive correlation with meant good mental health and good well-being so so we know that the work that we do can be actually a very affirmative thing for us and um, so so we can try and move more towards that 
um, and obviously yeah people might become more productive but, but that's okay you know it's actually we all like that feeling don't we if we're doing well and um we're engaged with what we're doing you know we like work it feels good so there's benefits for organization and the individual and again i would come back i think the building block is uh, is self-care you know it's actually the organization saying what can we do but it's the individual saying what can i do you know and taking responsibility for that no that's good that is so basically to sum up i suppose for people who might be going into graduate roles or graduate schemes and stuff like that i suppose from what you're saying it's basically make sure that you i suppose got a plan for how you're going to look after yourself outside of work when you go into your new role in order to just be able to make sure you cope with the changing circumstances and stuff like that i suppose like yeah i think if you're looking after yourself and uh, if you're taking care of yourself then you're more likely to adapt well to the the transition that you're making um and I, I would just like to mention oscar if i can but um quite recently we did um so this was a collaboration between staff and student well-being we did a, a pilot in the pharma and pharmaceutical sciences um school so this was specifically with um students who were so final year students transitioning into the workplace very soon and so we ran a pilot of a training course called iact which is one of the leading training providers in uh, actually globally now really um, and this was a, a training so iact is about promoting well-being positive well-being and so we ran two we ran a pilot where we ran two two training courses in the school for those students and the feedback that's come back very recently from those pilots has been uh, brilliant and we've had feedback from individuals who've talked um, specifically about the self-care element and how important that has um, been for them and your training emphasizes again that kind of preventative proactive approach so so that actually if we do these things we're going to be better in terms of well-being so yeah i would absolutely say you know whatever because we don't really know it, it when you're going through a big transition like that there is a certain um, level of i suppose uncertainty you know it's change so you know we can't control all of it but what we can do is we can focus on what we can control and what we can influence and certainly self-care is at the heart of that so looking after ourselves makes us more resilient and improves our well-being um, and I think that would be the way forward. I would also say, I know, I don't know how much time we have, Oscar, but in terms of that work-life balance that you said, I think that is important and it's worth thinking about. There's quite a lot of debate about work-life balance in the kind of industry. Some people hate that term. Um, some people crave work-life balance. But really, there are very simple things that students can do. So what we can do is, again, set an intention. And so, for example, I say to people, if you think of like the, the shift during the pandemic to working remotely you know you could be working in your kitchen well actually if you leave your laptop out on your kitchen table you know and it's just sitting there all evening it's going to be much more likely that you'll jump in and take a look at an email or do something related to work you know so one of the things a very simple thing that can help is to just create a, a very clear transition into the work that you're doing and out of it so so you might think about actually just picking up your laptop and putting it in a drawer somewhere so that it's just out of sight you know so simple little things i know quite a lot of people who say as soon as it gets to a certain time in the afternoon and that's their kind of cut off point so they'll literally grab the dog or the kids or just get out the door and go for a walk you know do something hit the gym they'll actually do something that says it's like it kind of switches the brain over and says we're transitioning so work is over for now 
and we're going to do some of this other stuff that's part of our lives and and that is important it's very easy to slide into just walkers all around you all the time you know that's actually such a good point though because um i hadn't even really thought about that at first but of course now it's I mean, it used to be the assumption, isn't it, that whatever kind of job you have, you go into an office or you go into the workplace or wherever you work. But it's like a, a large proportion of people now are working from home, like almost yeah, consistently, yeah. isn't it? And so yeah, yeah. I suppose like, uh, like you say, it's it can be really hard because I found this when um, I first started uni um, in first year, because obviously we're never in university. It's so hard to separate your leisure time from your work time when you're it working is. from home, isn't it? Yeah. And so, like you say, that those are such good points, actually, because I found, um, like, I, what I ended up having to do was, like, I would only ever sit at my desk if I was doing like work and I'd try yeah. and make sure I'd like never do work in bed or anything like that because yeah, yeah. Like, they say you just can't disassociate otherwise can you with sort of that yeah, setting yeah. and like yeah um and so yeah no that's such a good point actually because um yeah it can be hard working from home I think really absolutely it, it presents a lot of challenges for people but you can just have a look again this is about that intention that I spoke about so you can in advance look around look at your environment and say could I make some small changes here that would a, help me transition and keep a better balance in, in work? And, and the brain doesn't need a huge obstacle to, to avoid something. You know, it's often looking for that path of least resistance. So if your laptop is somewhere hidden away sort of thing, it's a bit like some foods, you know, if you stick some foods just on your worktop, you're probably going to eat them, you know, if they're, if they're really tasty and you, you like the, the sound of them. But if you hide them somewhere, just keep them somewhere and you just a little bit of effort to get to it, that effort just might be enough to just for your brain to say, actually, I'm going to just ignore that now, you know. So, so again, we can look at our environment and just try and find nice, simple ways of helping us transition into the workplace. And also on the flip side of that, when we're when we want to finish and again set an intention for when we want to finish okay what does that look like so it could be that you just literally you know close the laptop put it into a drawer and then walk straight out the door get some sunshine take a 10 minute walk or whatever sort of thing you know and and that builds a kind of you can build routines around that build some habit about that but again you do that intentionally and that's what self-care is you know no that, that's that's such good point that is because i think it's all when when you spell it out, it sounds like all quite, it's all quite simple stuff you can do that can make a big difference, <laughs> it isn't it? But yeah, I mean, yeah. until you have, like, for example, like, until, like, I hear you spell it out there, even though it's simple stuff, it's, it's stuff you never would have really thought of. You just don't really, like, at least I, I wouldn't think um, a lot of these basic things, like, to do them would actually make so much of a difference. But like you said, yeah. they do, don't they, really? They, 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 mm. And again, it's very small things that can make a, a difference, especially if we practice them consistently. That's the key thing. That's what really self-care is, you know? It's not, it's not waiting until things are really difficult and then you go, oh, I better do something to, to, to take care of myself. Actually, when things are good, we can practice these things. And in fact, it's, it's kind of a nice way of doing it. When it's easy to do things, Let's just get them into our routines and make them a habit so that they become more automatic. And I think you hit an nail on the head there, to be honest, Oscar, that it's the thinking about it in advance, you know. So if we're on autopilot and we're not used to doing these things, we probably won't do them, you know. <laughs> we probably won't. Um, we just get on with whatever it is that we do normally, you know. So, so But we can stop. We can effectively say, right, in the way you would with stress, you know, I'm going to manage stress. That's 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 an intentional thing. So how am I how am I going to do that? What does that look like? You know, and 
I'll leave you with a, a kind of question, which is, so whatever is happening at any given time, I always say to myself, what is what I'm doing helpful? So is this thought helpful? Is this feeling helpful? And is, is my behavior or the action that I'm taking, is it helpful? And if it's not helpful, well, do something about it. No, that's a that's a fantastic final bit of advice there. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 a simple thing that you can integrate into your day to day life, isn't it, to to make yeah. a big change. No, I yeah. really appreciate that. You've gone over some really great stuff there, Keith. That sounds really good. Thank you so much for that. No, no, thanks. It's it's hey, it's been a pleasure. It's been fun as well. Um, it's nice to yeah. kind of chat about well being. So uh, yeah, thanks very much for having me on. Uh, and and good luck to all the students who are transitioning. You know, it is a big deal. Um, mm. It is a big big change, but. Um, don't forget that you've got a lot of transferable skills and experience, so uh, you'll do good. So there we go. To ensure good well-being in your new role, plan ahead. Make sure you're looking after yourself, doing what works for you, what keeps you happy, whether it's exercise, whether it's eating right, whether it's seeing your friends, whatever it is. So next week, we're going to have our question session with Kath and Chris. Uh, and we're going to be going over all sorts of different things. It's not targeted at all, so a lot of different topics to go over. I look forward to seeing you next week.